Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times News Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes. To keep in touch with us, use our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, which are all at Q and Review. That's C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. Or get in touch via information at qandreview.com. That's information at C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W dot com. Please like and share our podcast and give us any constructive feedback. From the Glasgow Times, Thursday the 9th of September 2021, from the news section, Glasgow MSP Hamza Yousaf announces £10 million support fund for long Covid sufferers by Lucinda Cameron. A new £10 million long Covid support fund to help health boards respond to the condition has been announced by the Health Secretary. The fund is designed to maximise and improve the coordination of a broad range of existing services across the health and social care system and third sector in response to long Covid. Humza Yousaf made the announcement on Thursday after meeting patient Pamela Bell, 62, who has been left unable to walk far after contracting coronavirus almost a year ago and has had to retire from working in a nursery. Mr Yousaf also met a range of healthcare professionals at Eastwood Health and Care Centre in Clarkson, East Renfrewshire. He said, we know that long COVID can't be handled with a one-size-fits-all approach. It can be complex and involve an array of diverse symptoms and combinations of these symptoms. The new long COVID support fund will give our NHS boards the flexibility to design and deliver the best care for those with long COVID, tailored to the specific needs of the populations. It's been great to meet Pamela and hear how she has benefited from care and rehabilitation in a setting close to home. Long Covid patients are being supported by the full range of NHS services, primary care teams and community-based rehabilitation services, with referrals to secondary care where necessary. And I want to thank our dedicated staff for their hard work. The Scottish Government said the fund will be flexible and tailored to local needs and will strengthen the range of information and advice available. It will ensure the right support is available within primary care, providing a response and focus on each patient's needs, with referrals to secondary care where necessary. Mrs Bell, 62, from Glasgow, tested positive for COVID last September. She has a mild chest condition, bronchiectasis, which meant she had to shield at the start of the pandemic and, after contracting the virus, was admitted to hospital, where she ended up in intensive care and was incubated for almost three months. By the time she was transferred to a respiratory ward in Hogmanay, she could not move and ultimately went to physical disability rehabilitation unit for intensive physiotherapy and occupational therapy. She also received intervention in oxygen therapy in a respiratory ward and returned home with long-term oxygen at the beginning of June, where she receives ongoing care from a community rehabilitation team to support her to regain her independence, function and mobility. Mrs Bell, a mother of two who is due to become a grandmother next spring, said, 
Recently, I was able to walk for 2 minutes and 40 seconds, which is a huge achievement for me. Before COVID, I was a senior child development officer, which involved outdoor play. I'd be in the playground or taking the children on forest walks, doing at least 15,000 steps a day. I'd help out my community. I was there for everybody. This last year has been a challenge when I've had to let other people take care of me, but I'm blowing away by everything I've been given by the NHS. They are just amazing. Some of them visit me weekly, some are at the end of the phone, they deliver my oxygen and really look after me. And that piece was by Lucinda Cameron. From the Glasgow Times, Thursday the 9th of September 2021, from the news section, Glasgow parents felt misled over free nursery hours rise by Maxine MacArthur. Parents have warned they felt misled over the rise for free in free nursery care as not all Glasgow centres are capable of handling the increase to 1,140 hours. Families across the city were delighted when the Scottish Government scheme to offer additional free hours for youngsters over the age of three was rolled out last month after plans to launch the programme last August were halted as a result of the pandemic. However, parents and carers say they've been left disheartened to discover not all Glasgow City Councils and nurseries are capable of meeting the 1,140 hours pledge. One mum, who had hoped to enrol her son in Creighton Nursery in the south side, was informed it couldn't offer the full allowance. The parent who asked not to be named, said, I was quite keen for him to go there because it's so close to home and, to be honest, it hadn't occurred to me that some places wouldn't be able to do the hours. It feels a bit misleading and I don't want him passed from pillar to post, so now we're in the process of settling in at another nursery. I just don't feel the government was clear enough. I know so many parents who have been completely blindsided by this. Despite each three and four year old now being entitled to 1,140 free hours, there is no requirement for every nursery to operate a model in which they can offer the full entitlement. The council said as many nurseries as possible are offering the 1,140 hours pledge. However, there are some, such as those who operate in school opening hours, which cannot accommodate the increase. In those instances, parents and carers have been advised to use a blended model where children can complete their entitlement at another facility or, ch- or childminder or opt to attend another facility that has the capacity to meet the new government pledge. A council spokesperson said, Our nurseries are offering parents as much flexibility as possible and we have a number of different models operating in line with the Scottish Government guidelines. Our nursery classes are open in normal school hours and families choose this service to suit their needs and that's why the blended model is in place for parents to use their additional hours with another provider or service. Parents and carers can contact the Early Years team via the Glasgow Family Information Service for advice on these matters or speak to the staff in the nursery for guidance. A spokesperson for the Scottish Government said, Councils, settings and providers have been preparing for the delivery of 1,140 hours since the announcement of the expansion in 2016 and that work has continued throughout the pandemic. The Scottish Government has supported local authorities throughout these preparations 
and we are thankful for the massive amount of work done by all those involved to get ready to deliver the 1,140 hours offer. Every local authority in Scotland, including Glasgow, assured us that we were able to offer 1,140 hours to all children by the start of a new term, a truly transformational offer that will benefit children and families all over the country. The expansion to 1,140 hours of funded early learning and childcare, ELC, was made possible by a close working partnership between the Scottish Government, local authorities and ELC providers across Scotland, underpinned by a landmark multi-year funding agreement. Delivery of the 1,140 hours offer will bring the Scottish Government funding for ELC in 2021-22 to over £1 billion. And that was a piece by Maxine MacArthur. From the Glasgow Times, Thursday the 9th of September 2021, from the news section, Glasgow pensioner in battle with British gas after fraud, by Maxine MacArthur, senior reporter. An East End businessman has pleaded for an end to his nightmare after almost £240,000 was embezzled from his small business, landing him in a battle with his electricity company. Jim McVicker's printing firm was left on the verge of collapse after former account manager Sarah Coburn transferred cash into her own bank accounts rather than paying the bills as she was supposed to. Coburn also invented false payments which looked to be paid to genuine companies when, in fact, the cash was going straight to her. Over the course of her employment at James McVicker Printing Works, she made 779 transactions. The pensioner was left completely blindsided, however, his ordeal worsened when he was thrust into a battle with an electricity giant, British Gas, over a staggering £28,000 bill which, he thought, had been paid. He said, It took four years for them to realise the payments hadn't been made and since then they've been my life hell. I'd say 99% of people pay up, but I've said no because I paid it already. It wasn't me who did this. I have no idea what happened to my money. I'm not allowed to find out. No one has helped me, not the companies involved or the legal system. No one. Coburn was jailed last April for 22 months after admitting there was no possibility of repayment to McVicker. Speaking at her sentencing in Glasgow Sheriff Court, Sheriff Andrew Cuby told Coburn, This is highlighted in the information you provided to me in relation to British Gas. You took £28,000 due to them. You then persisted in your efforts to persuade both British Gas and your employers that the sums had been paid. Your actions caused the day-to-day running of the business to be affected. For example, through the threat to the power supply by your diversion of the British Gas Funds and the loss of profit which affected wage increases and recruitment. He added, This was a gross breach of trust. The actions have had material consequences for the company. The owner had to invest significant sums to keep the business going. He had to realise a substantial asset to fund the company. Your actions contributed to the company sustaining a loss. The company lost members of the workforce and could not afford to replace them. They had an effect on the personal health of the owner, 
both physical and psychological. His ability to trust any employee has been undermined. McVicker, who lives in Bearsden, insists he is a clear victim and has pleaded with British Gas to see that he has done nothing wrong, having authorised payments, he thought, were being sent to the firm for electricity purposes. He said, What they say is, she worked for me, she stole the money, so I'm liable. I would ask her, have we paid that bill? But she was transferring it into another account. She was clever, she convinced everyone. Most people would let it go, but I'm not most people, so I won't let it go. I want justice. I just want it to be honest, just and fair, and I don't think this is. I paid the bill and she stole it. I'm the victim, I don't owe any money. An independent investigation by the Energy Ombudsman said McVicker was liable to pay the sum back and instructed British Gas to offer a payment plan to help him with these repayments. However, he maintains that he should not be paying the funds back. It's understood British Gas has offered to work with McVicker to resolve the issue, including pointing him in the direction of charities that could offer a grant towards outstanding balance. A Ombudsman spokesperson said, we appreciate that this must be a very distressing time for Mr McVicker. Based on the information provided to us, we agreed with Mr McVicker that there seemed to be a wider issue in relation to payments from his business account and that he was doing the correct thing in following this up with the police. We hope that that will result in a positive outcome. British Gas has declined to comment. And that piece was by Maxine MacArthur. From the Glasgow Times, Thursday the 9th of September 2021, from the Lifestyle section, interview, Teenage Fan Club Gear Up for Glasgow Barrowlands Gig, by Sophie Adams. Alt-Rockers Teenage Fan Club are hoping for a bit of normality as they prepare to return to the city for their first Glasgow gig in more than two years. The Bells Hill Band will take to the world-famous Barrowland Ballroom stage, next week for the final night of their UK tour. After more than 30 years in the Scottish music scene, the indie outfit are no strangers to the iconic Gallagate venue. Despite the city's recent move beyond level zero of coronavirus restrictions, the band's co-founder told the Glasgow Times he hopes the upcoming gig will feel the same way it always felt. Raymond McGinley said, Bring back on stage the b- Being back on stage at the Barras is always great. It'll be a fantastic night. We're really looking forward to it. For us, the immediacy and being in the moment is great. I suppose everyone has had too much time in their own headspace over the past year and a half, with not enough stuff happening in the moment, so hopefully we can get that back. He added, I wouldn't typify our audiences as being wild, but sometimes we put in Glasgow and it kind of is especially if it's a Friday or Saturday night. I think the crowd might be slightly more subdued though. I don't think people are quite ready to start being all over each other like they might have done in the past. But being on a stage, looking out over a load of people, is always a welcome sight. It's not something we've ever taken for granted anyway, but particularly with everything that's happened, just being back in that environment again is going to be great. The Scottish Rockers, formed in 1989, played an intimate socially distanced gig at Tramshed in Cardiff, followed by a headline set at the far out stage 
at the Green Man Festival in the Breaking Beacons last month. The band are currently on a five-day tour across the UK, visiting venues including Manchester and London, which will finish up in the much-loved Glasgow Barras. The 57-year-old said, I think everyone's sense of time has been warped. The thing about being back on stage again is that it doesn't actually seem that long ago since we were on stage before the pandemic. Somehow you kind of ignore that there's a, the, that bit in between. There's a strange familiarity as a musician, the immediacy of that experience. It's totally different to making records, just being on stage in front of an audience where you're in that moment again. The simplicity of that experience, it felt great. It feels good to be finally back playing some shows. Things might start making sense to us again. The North Lanarkshire band, which emerged from the Glasgow C86 scene, released a new album earlier this year. Best known for the 1991 record Bandwagon-esque, the quintet unveiled Endless Arcade in April after being pushed back multiple times due to the pandemic. Speaking about the record, Raymond said, It was frustrating for us. We'd already put the album release back a bit, hoping that we could tour when it came out, but things have gone on longer than anyone thought they would. After it came out, I think we all felt pretty depressed about not actually being able to go out into the world and play shows. We've been doing that for 30 years, putting an album out and then going on tour. It's kind of what we've done for most of our adult lives, so it did feel really weird. He explained, when we make an album, we go into our own bubble and do our own thing. It's a totally self-indulgent thing, which is fine because it's part of the process. At the next stage, when you're preparing to put it out, you're doing interviews, talking about the record, talking about yourself and all this stuff. But then, usually, the album comes out and you go on tour. You meet people in the real world who have bought and listened to the album. They give you a simple perspective on this thing that you've done. We've missed that reality of making this thing and then going out to play the songs live. It all becomes current again. Raymond added, When you're on stage and the audience are in front of you, it's a simple thing and the record gets a new bit of life at that point. We're really proud of the record we've just put out and we want to tour and play all of these songs. But as soon as we possibly can, we'll go and make another one. Teenage Fan Club will play the Barrowland Ballroom in Glasgow on September the 16th. That was an interview by Sophie Adams. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 10th of September 2021, from the news section. RMT Union calls for urgent meeting with MSPs to solve six-month Scotchville strike. By Lauren Gilmore, Facebook community reporter. A rail union has called for an urgent meeting with representatives to help solve the ongoing dispute with Scotchville bosses. The RMT has written to five SNP MSPs from Glasgow calling a letter signed by them inflammatory, inaccurate and insulting after they appear to have criticised the union for considering strike action during the COP26 summit. General Secretary of the RMT, Mick Lynch, said he was disappointed about the language used in the letter after union members were accused of taking direction from London bosses. 
Mr Lynch confirmed in a letter seen by the Glasgow Times that this was not the case. The Firebrand Trade Unionist said, I would also comment on the fact that your letter makes two separate references to London bosses and London leadership, implying that this was a deliberate decision and something you wish to emphasise. Choices over language are important, and I think your decision to stress your mistaken view that decisions have been made by people from another country was regrettable and leaves a bad taste in the mouth. It's also insulting to the members and elected leadership in Scotland who are leading this dispute. Mr Lynch called on the representatives to get round the table to solve this dispute, adding, Where we do agree, however, it's high time this dispute was resolved. I know that our reps in RMT Scotland are ready and willing to meet you at a time and place of your choosing to discuss how to resolve this long-running and unnecessary dispute. Instead of publishing ill-informed, inflammatory and insulting statements, I would invite you to meet with them to discuss how this can best be achieved. This Sunday, Scotrail staff are set for a further industrial action, which has been ongoing for almost six months. The SNP has been approached for comment. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 10th of September 2021, from the news section, Scottish Violence Reduction Unit tackling male violence in Glasgow, by Katriona Stewart, columnist and reporter, Scotland must do more to break the cycle of violence by tackling the issue in the same way as has fought COVID-19, according to a specialist police force. The Scottish Violence Reduction Unit, SVRU, has called for a major public health push to drive down violence in homes and on our street as it launches a new Glasgow pilot project. Made up of mentors with lived experience and specialist training, the You Decide team, YDT, is a confidential service helping people access support with addiction, housing, employment or more complex needs. YDT project leader Callum Hutchison said, I know so many young men who desperately want to leave that life behind. It's just so difficult to see a way out sometimes. Well, there is an exit and these are amazing people and organisations who are ready to help. It's about taking that first step and reaching out. The YDT just brings people together in one space and you can then decide on the support you need. There's no judgement and it's 100% confidential. One day or day one, you decide. Training mentor Sean knew his life had to change after seeing other young men he knew die because of the issues they faced. A year ago, at the age of 25, he couldn't see a future for himself. He sought help after things reached a crisis point and following a successful period in recovery, he contacted the YDT and now has a home of his own, a job and his family back in his life. He said, I look to the future and it blows my mind because of the opportunities I have. It would, been an, it would have been an achievement if I had seen my 30th birthday. I was unemployable. Nobody would touch me with my convictions, but in the space of a year my whole life has transformed. I look forward to the future and it blows my mind because of the opportunities I've got. A lot of people like me, boys that I knew, have died, so I'm under no illusions about how lucky I am. But I also know how much hard work I put in to get here. This just didn't happen overnight. It was a process. See if you really want it, you'll get it. 
The YDT, run in partnership with social enterprise Braveheart Industries, grew from a group run by Callum at the G20 Youth Festival, engaging with vulnerable young people in the north of Glasgow. Run by the Children's Wood Charity, G20 has helped provide food and support to the local community throughout the pandemic. Short videos based on the experiences of those who have successfully escaped a violent lifestyle will be running in Glasgow and Dundee over the coming weeks. They will encourage those affected to access bespoke support pages at www.udecideteam.scot, offering guidance towards key local and national support services. The team is made up of navigators with lived experience of many issues such as violence and addiction. According to the Scottish Crime and Justice Survey 2019-20, some 65% of all violent crime happens to just 0.1% of the population in Scotland. These repeat victims of violence can suffer up to five or more incidents. Many of them are young men living in deprived socio-economic neighbourhoods who may alternate between being the victim or the perpetrator of such incidents. Meanwhile, the SVRU has launched its five-year strategic plan, A Safer Scotland for All. At the core of the strategy is a public health model using an evidence-based approach to target the root causes of violence. The SVRU was the first ever police member of the World Health Organization's Violence Prevention Alliance and is a global leader in public health policy. Director Niven Rainey said, We've seen how effective following the signs can be in the battle against COVID-19. We must now apply the lessons learned over the last year in our fight to reduce violence and create a safer and healthier Scotland for all. Everyone has had a role in tackling the pandemic, whether that was medics in our intensive care units or all of us doing our bit by wearing a mask and washing our hands. When it comes to reducing violence, we all have a part to play. It will take a massive team effort to protect children from trauma, prevent young people joining gangs or ensure that our homes and neighbourhoods are a place of safety rather than abuse. This isn't just a job for the police anymore than fighting COVID-19 is just a job for the NHS. The big decreases in non-sexual violence initially seen in Scotland since 2005 have levelled off in recent years, with the number of murders in the country remaining relatively stable. There have been between 59 and 64 homicide cases recorded each year since 2012-13. COVID-19 is highly likely to have an impact upon violence in Scotland, which the unit says will require an evidence-based response. Mr Rennie said, We know that if roots out of this vicious cycle of violence can be found for those young men, then we can make life safer not just for them, but for their families and communities. The YDT is all about joining the dots between the fantastic services that already exist in these areas and ensuring no one falls through the cracks. We're following the data and working as a team to do our part to make Scotland the safest country in the world. If the last year has taught us anything, it's that life-saving achievements are possible when we pull together. And that article is by Catriona Stewart. This article is from the Glasgow Times, date 10th September 2021, from the Opinion section. Key Breast Cancer Signs That Could Save Your Life by Dr Poonam Krishan. This week we heard the very sad news of Sarah Harding, 
passing away at the age of 39 from breast cancer. It is never easy accepting any loss, but even harder when it's someone so young. Breast cancer has been in the spotlight this week as a result, and rightly so, because raising awareness is the number one thing we can do to save lives, because the earlier we can detect changes, the better the outcome. Over the pandemic, we've seen a drop in patients seeking help for their health. One of the detrimental fallouts of this pandemic has been mixed messaging, whereby people who have been led to believe that doctors' practices have been closed or that burdening the NHS during a pandemic would not be helpful. In doing so, we've seen rising numbers of patients who delayed presenting to their GP with new lumps or unusual symptoms, which could potentially be serious. Every year in the UK, around 55,000 women and 370 men are diagnosed with breast cancer. And of this number, sadly, around 11,500 women and 85 men die from it annually. With there being multiple treatments available for breast cancer, we need to do better with educating ourselves on what to look out for and empowering people to seek help sooner rather than later. Very commonly, people equate cancer with a lump. And whilst this is one of the prominent features of breast cancer, it isn't the only sign or symptom. And as you read above, breast cancer can affect any gender. I implore you to set an alarm or mark a date in your calendar once a month to check your breasts or pecs chest area. This takes a few minutes and it's worth every second to simply stand in front of a mirror to have a good look at your chest, looking at the shape of both pecs or breasts, size, any skin changes or dimpling of the skin and the nipple. If you do this regularly, you will become familiar with what is normal for you, meaning you will pick up any change early. Next, you want to have a feel. Many find it easier to examine themselves in the shower, whilst others find it easier lying down. As long as you get a thorough feel, that's all that matters. There's really no right or wrong way either, so the flat of your hands and in circular motions with some firm pressure go round each breast in a clockwise direction, remembering to feel around and behind the nipple area too. Breast tissue extends all the way up to the collarbone and armpit, so make sure you feel these areas also. If you notice any of the following changes, please make an appointment with your GP as soon as possible. A new lump or area of thickened tissue in either breast that's not been there before. Change in the size or shape of one or both breasts. Discharge from nipples. Swelling or lump in armpits. Skin changes such as dimpling or a rash. Unusual sensations in your breasts. This applies to people of all ages and backgrounds. Whilst family history can play a role, the exact cause of breast cancer isn't known. We do know that there are some factors that can increase 
such that can increase risk, such as ageing, previous cancer, being on HRT for more than a year, excess alcohol and being overweight. However, the big take home here is that breast cancer, if picked up early, can be treated very successfully. So get checking your breasts and pecs at least once a month. It's a tiny amount of time invested for long-term health gains. That article was by Dr. Poonam Krishnan. This article is from the Glasgow Times, date 10th September 2021, from the Lifestyle section. Singer James Arthur to play Glasgow SEC Armadillo Show by Stacey Mullen. Singer James Arthur will bring his new tour to Glasgow next year. The 33-year-old star will play at the city's SEC Armadillo on March 17th. James, who was born and raised in Middlesbrough, has connections to the city through his father, who is Glaswegian. The former X Factor winner will be performing songs from his upcoming new album, It'll All Make Sense in the End, alongside his classic hit singles and fan favourites. He said, I am beyond happy about getting back on the road and seeing everyone again. Playing shows for my fans gives me life and that's been taken away for the best part of two years. So, needless to say, I'm itching to get back out there and perform for them again. Coming to a stage near you soon. He's best known for hits Say You Won't Let Go and Impossible. Tickets for all dates go on sale Friday, September 17th at 10am. That article was by Stacey Mullen. From the Glasgow Times, Monday the 13th of September 2021, from the news section, Bigger armed police presence to be deployed in Glasgow during COP26 by Jack Haw and Laura Patterson. There is no specific threat to COP26 in Glasgow over terrorist attacks, the officer in charge of armed policing for Police Scotland has said. Chief Superintendent Louise Skelton said people should expect to see more armed officers around Glasgow during the International Climate Conference this autumn. The force is understood to have about 500 armed officers and while there has been no increase in the numbers for COP26, a significant number of armed police from elsewhere in the UK will assist. Ms Skelton is head of the Specialist Services at the force, which includes overseeing Police Scotland's armed response, involving armed response vehicles and officers with clock handguns and semi-automatic G36 assault rifles. She said, At the moment there's no specific threat to the event, but armed police are very much deployed in contingency and obviously to keep the world leaders, heads of state, delegates and people of Scotland safe and respond to any threat should it arise. The Queen, Pope Francis and US President Joe Biden are among the high-profile figures expected to attend and each member of the United Nations has been invited, meaning nearly 120 heads of state are expected to arrive along with about 20,000 accredited delegates. Speaking at a training event for Police Scotland, armed officers at the Scottish Police College at Jackson, East Kilbride, Ms Skelton said Police Scotland would continue to monitor the terrorist threat level as the event approaches. Armed officers demonstrated armed response vehicles, 
stopping a car in a mocked-up street scene where the driver is thought to present a threat. They also showed how they would stop a pedestrian armed with an axe in the street. Ms Skelton said, It is one of the most complex offence that's ever been held in the UK, particularly in Scotland, so there will be an increase in the visibility of armed officers, particularly in the Glasgow area where the event is being held. But, in terms of business as usual, we will have a 24-7 response throughout Scotland to respond to any serious threat to life or firearms incidents, and that is always the case with us. We're an armed service, but we always have an armed response. So that will not differ during COP26, but there will be officers dedicated to the actual event itself. We're getting help from throughout the UK, from England and Wales, in relation to fire firearms officers and different skills of firearm officers. The plans are still being deployed, clearly, but there will be significant mutual aid assistance from colleagues in armed policing because of the scale and size of the event. Ms Skelton said she was unable to disclose the number of armed police from Police Scotland elsewhere who would work at the events for operational reasons, but there will be a mixture of visible deployments throughout the city. Previously, the gold commander for the event, Assistant Chief Constable Bernard Higgins, said Police Scotland is contributing about 45% of the numbers for COP26 and several thousand officers will arrive each day in a phased approach with about 10,000 involved in total. COP26 negotiations are taking place at the Scottish Event Campus, ACC, which will be known as the Blue Zone and will be under UN control with its own security. While not international territory, it will come under Scots law if a crime takes place. Ms Skelton stressed strict criteria governing the use of armed officers in Scotland. She said, Any deployment of armed police in Police Scotland is very, very heavily scrutinised and ratified by the Chief Superintendent, who is a trained strategic firearms commander, so there are very strict criteria in relation to that and the the threat would need to justify the criteria for deployment. And that article was written by Jack Hall and Laura Patterson. From the Glasgow Times, Monday the 13th of September 2021, from the news section, Decision to cancel Glasgow's bonfire night fireworks is branded shameful by Jack Hall, multimedia reporter. A decision to cancel Glasgow's annual bonfire night fireworks has been branded shameful. Lawyer Amir Anmar has questioned the move, which sees the Glasgow Green display called off for a second year in a row. Council bosses claim it is because they can't prepare the park to host 50,000 at the same time as a climate change conference in the city. But critics have pointed out to Transmit Festival, which saw 150,000 revelers descend in the East End last week, and the Euro 2020 fan zones, as examples of the local authority prioritising other events. Reporting to the news last week, Mr Armour said, So the adults could watch the Euros, Peter goes to transmit, over 30,000 delegates can transcend in COP26, but shamefully, Glasgow City Council can put on a wee fireworks show for kids in the green. Last week, Glasgow Live, the, the council arms length body, that puts on the bonfire night show, said a winter programme of events would be held instead.
A statement read, We will be confirming plans for events this winter in the coming weeks which will provide more reasons to plan a visit to Glasgow and support businesses based in the city. Glasgow will be hosting COP26 at the same time as we would normally be hosting a fireworks event for up to 50,000 people. Preparing and then clearing Glasgow Green for this event takes several days and so that Glasgow Green remains available to people in early November, we will not be hosting Glasgow fireworks this year. Instead, our focus is on delivering a winter programme over several weeks, which will build on the successes of 2020, which will help boost Glasgow's economic recovery from the pandemic. We look forward to announcing more details soon. And that piece was by Jack Hall. From the Glasgow Times, Monday the 13th of September 2021, from the news section, motorcyclists rushed to hospital after rush hour crash near Glasgow's Charing Cross by Jack Hall, multimedia reporter. A motorcyclist has been rushed to hospital following a crash between a bike and a car this morning. The 20-year-old was involved when the vehicles collided at the junction of North Street and Sucky Hall Street at around 7.50am. Emergency services rushed to the busy Charing Cross thoroughfare, with the rider taken to the Royal Family by medics for treatment. His condition is understood to be not life-threatening, but the Glasgow Times has contacted the Scottish Ambulance Service for comment. The road was partially shut for around an hour and has since reopened. No information has been released on the condition of the driver. A police Scotland spokesperson said, We were called at around 7.50am on Monday the 13th to report of a crash involving a car and a motorbike on Socky Hall Street, Glasgow, near the Charing Cross Junction. A 20-year-old man, the driver of the motorbike, has been taken by the Scottish Ambulance Service to Glasgow Royal Infirmary for treatment. The road was partially blocked and recovery of the vehicles has been arranged. And that piece is by Jack Hall. From the Glasgow Times, Monday the 13th of September 2021, from the news section. Glasgow man sleeps this morning after tragic death of wife, 64, by Anne Fotheringham, senior features writer. A grieving Drumchapel man is warning people of the dangers of sepsis after the tragic death of his wife. Today is World Sepsis Day and Alistair Craig is speaking out to raise awareness of the potentially devastating disease. I know Brenda was unlucky, but I want to make people aware of this horrible event, he said. Alistair and Brenda met online when they were both 50 and married four years later. Last January, Brenda, who was a customer service assistant with Scottish Canals, was admitted to hospital suffering from a kidney stone. After treatments to remove it failed, she was fitted with a stent and two weeks later she went into day surgery to have it removed. Because her blood pressure dropped, Brenda was kept in and that night, Alistair was awoken at 4am by police officers sent by the hospital, who told him his wife had been taken into intensive care. When I arrived, I was told she had been diagnosed with sepsis and her condition was causing the medical staff some alarm, he explained. They said her son should maybe make the journey from Canada. That afternoon, they put Brenda on dialysis as her kidneys were not functioning and they were in contact with the liver unit in Edinburgh regarding a possible transplant. 
In the morning, after six hours of dialysis, Brenda's blood pressure dropped dramatically and her heart rate began to fluctuate. At 7.30am the doctor told me she was unlikely to see out the day, said Alistair. Four hours later the light went out of my life. Her sons arrived from Canada that night. I knew about sepsis. I just never thought it would affect anyone close to me. Sepsis kills around 50,000 people in the UK every year. The five key symptoms are high or low temperature, uncontrolled shivering, confusion, passing little urine and blotchier cold arms and legs. And that article is by Anne Fotheringham. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 14th of September 2021, News. Appalling. Almost 190 suspected drug deaths Glasgow in six months. By Stuart Patterson. Hundreds of people continue to die each year from a drug-related death in Glasgow, according to the latest appalling figures. There has been 187 suspected drug deaths so far in the six months of this year in Glasgow. The official figures for last year showed that for 2020 there were 291 confirmed drug-related deaths in Glasgow. Full figures for 2021 will be finalised next year. The new report shows deaths where drugs is the suspected cause of death. The number is slightly down from the 194 for the same period in the city in the year before. Across Scotland, the half-yearly report shows there were 762 drug-related deaths between January and June. It is 1% fewer than the same period last year. Almost 7 in 10 were in the 35 to 54-year-old age group, but there were 35 suspected deaths of people aged under 25. Greater Glasgow Police Division had the highest number with 187, ahead of Lanarkshire with 67 and Edinburgh with 64 and Tayside with 64. Drugs Policy Minister Angela Constance said, Once again, these figures are appalling. We are taking a vast range of actions to tackle this public health emergency and we recognise the hard work and challenges ahead. More regular reporting of data on drug death trends in Scotland will ensure everyone involved in our national mission remains focused on the work we must do to get more people into the treatment that is best suited for them as quickly as possible. We know that to do this we must create a more integrated, person-centred approach to treatment. We are therefore investing £2.3 million over the next three years in Health Improvement Scotland to ensure people are treated not only for their physical health addiction, but their mental health too. This article was by Stuart Patterson. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 14th of September 2021, News. Asif Rayman, Glasgow killer who murdered labourer in street dies behind bars, by Jack Hoch. A killer who murdered a man in a savage... Pollock Shields street attack has died behind bars. Asif Raymond, an inmate at HMP Shots, North Lanarkshire, passed away shortly after being rushed to hospital when he became unwell. Prison chiefs confirmed the brute, who was jailed for life over the murder of Irishman William McKinney in 2012, died on Monday morning. The monster stamped his victim to death alongside Adel Ishak on Melville Street, 
as his partner, Anne-Marie Newland, watched on in horror from her window. The thugs were deemed a serious danger to the public upon conviction. A Scottish Prison Service spokesman said, Asif Rehman, 29, a prisoner from HMP Shots, has died on September 13, 2021. He was convicted at Edinburgh High Court in 2012. Police Scotland have been advised and the matter reported to the Procurator Fiscal. A fatal accident inquiry will be held in due course. This article was by Jack Hogg. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday 14th of September 2021, from the news section. Fears Glasgow's crumbling Shield Hall flyover could collapse, by Maxine MacArthur. Glasgow is facing a mass casualty if urgent funding isn't made available to restore a crumbling Southside flyover, campaigners have claimed. Members of Dremoyne Community Council have urged Glasgow City Council to carry out immediate repairs on the busy Shield Hall flyover. Chunks of brick have allegedly fallen to the busy Shield Hall road below, close to a busy bus stop, while water has been spotted pouring through holes on the expressway during heavy rainfall. Community councillors have pleaded with the local authority to tackle the issues before someone is killed. However, they claim they've been told budget constraints won't allow the project to be handled for the foreseeable future. Lisa Devlin, chair of the group, said campaigners have been embroiled in a five-year battle to have the repairs completed, but fear time is running out to stop a potential tragedy. She said, it's basically crumbling and we have been asking for years when it will be fixed. We've been told there's no money in the pot. It's going to collapse and it will cost a lot more money if someone is killed. There's a bus stop at the Shield Hall roundabout and there's concrete falling under the flyover. She added, if somebody had been sheltering under that during the rain, they could have been killed. The busy Southside flyover is a popular route for those visiting the Queen Elizabeth University Hospital, as well as those travelling between the Cardonald area to the West End via the Clyde Tunnel. Meanwhile, Shieldhall Road, which runs underneath the expressway, carries shoppers between Brayhead Shopping Centre and Rangers Ibrox Stadium. Both streets are known for heavy traffic jams during rush hour due to its central location for those travelling across Glasgow. A pedestrian and cyclist tunnel also runs underneath. There have been a number of inspections carried out on the site over the years and Glasgow City Council insists the necessary upgrades are a priority. However, its popularity with commuters and public transport users alike has resulted in large volumes of traffic both under and on the flyover every day, causing concerns that it's a matter of time before serious damage occurs. Lisa said, the council sent somebody out and they basically cleaned it up and said they would inspect it every few weeks. It's just not good enough. They keep saying it's a funding issue and they will get to it. It needs fixed as soon as possible. Those living or working close to the site, including community council member Jim Craney, who runs Ridgeway Dairy on Shieldhall Road, claim they're constantly nervous about the potential dangers the site possesses. Jim and Lisa have held meetings alongside fellow community council members in a bid to speed the process along. However, a spokesman for Glasgow City Council said plans are being worked on and funding is being sought to ensure the repairs can take place as soon as possible. They said the Shield Hall flyover requires to be repaired, 
but it was recently inspected and it remains fit for continued use. We have been working on plans for those repairs to be undertaken and our design work has been completed. We are now working to secure the funding to ensure those repairs can go ahead. That article was by Maxine MacArthur. From the Glasgow Times of Tuesday the 14th of September 2021, from the opinion section, Mike Daly, Scottish Government's protest ban is draconian. From next month, the Scottish Parliament and its surrounding grounds will become a designated site for the purpose of the 2005 Serious Organised Crime and Police Act. The request for this status came from MSPs on the Parliament's corporate body and was granted by a Home Office Minister in London last week. The new status effectively means that being outside the Scottish Parliament without lawful authority becomes an offence punishable on conviction by imprisonment for up to one year or a fine of £5,000. Lawful authority means permission, but who decides to grant or revoke permission for a building the public are actively encouraged to enter and visit as their national democratic institution? Presumably Parliament itself, which means the SNP Green Coalition government in practice. The target here is clearly protesters, but why the need for such draconian powers after 22 years? Until now, such national security powers have been reserved for nuclear sites in Scotland and the Westminster Parliamentary Estate. I've attended and spoken at a few protests outside the Scottish Parliament over the years. I can't remember any that were not peaceful. I recall protests against warrant sales or the failure to mitigate the bedroom tax, sometimes getting heated outside Parliament because these were emotional issues for the people they affected. Speeches through loudspeakers, roars of the crowd, cheers, boos and singing are all part of our long tradition of peaceful protest and demonstration. They are the lifeblood of a healthy democracy. The bedrock principles the Scottish Parliament is founded upon are being accountable, open, power-sharing and equal opportunities. Political parties deciding who's allowed to protest and for what cause goes against all of these founding principles. The right to protest is enshrined in Article 11 of the European Convention on Human Rights. Everyone has the right to freedom of peaceful assembly and to freedom of association with others. That right is only qualified where it is necessary for national security or public safety. I come back to my original question. Why do MSPs think people should be banned from protesting outside the Parliament in 2021? Isn't it supposed to be the People's Parliament? We already have various public order offences in Scotland to deal with public safety concerns. 
There's no need for a sledgehammer strict liability offence to crack a problem that doesn't exist. A couple of weeks ago, one of the biggest demonstrations in recent times took place outside the Parliament when hundreds of women gathered to express their concerns over the Scottish Government's Gender Recognition Reform Scotland Bill. The bill would give people a legal right to self-declare their gender rather than provide medical evidence of gender dysphoria. Women's organisations believe that allowing biological men to self-identify as women will erode women's rights, particularly in relation to the protection for single-sex exceptions for public spaces under the 2010 Equality Act. There was a smaller, angry counter-demonstration outside the Parliament by gender rights activists. The protests were well handled by the police, and none of this could possibly justify urgent grounds for radical change. There is no doubt that the Scottish Government's Gender Bill is controversial. A panel-based poll over the weekend suggested that only 13% of Scots thought that gender recognition was a pressing matter for the Scottish Parliament to act upon now. The COVID-19 pandemic is ongoing and we have huge challenges in terms of economic and social recovery. The Scottish Government has indicated that they will press on with its gender reforms as a matter of urgency regardless. That is its democratic right, if they have a majority of MSPs behind them on this. What's not acceptable, however, is seeking to crush dissent by banning the right of the people to protest peacefully outside their own parliament. You win people over by the strength of your argument and evidence, not by silencing their voice. The folly of Brexit has seen UK exports drop by 19.3% with a trade deficit of £12.8 billion on recent figures. Ireland, France and Germany have all gained from Brexit. The Prime Minister's solution to fiscal deficits is to raise national insurance contributions by 10% and pretend it's for the NHS or social care. Making those with low or modest means pay for our economic problems is regressive and shows how out of touch the UK government has become. Meanwhile, we have nothing to be smug about in Scotland when our own MSPs ban us from peacefully protesting outside our own parliament. From the Glasgow Times of Tuesday the 14th of September 2021, from the Opinion section, Malcolm Cunning. Why will the city's streets be cleaned for Joe Biden, but not for Joe Public? Outlining her plans for the year ahead in Parliament this week, Nicola Sturgeon said she hopes the Glasgow COP26 summit will enable us to look future generations in the eye. A laudable ambition. But I wonder if she would be willing to look today's generation in the eye when it comes to the state of our city under the SNP's watch. 
Perhaps she could explain why it's acceptable for the city's streets to be cleaned for Joe Biden, but not for Joe Public. Next week, a council committee will consider the results of the latest Glasgow household survey. It tells us what Joe Public thinks of the council's performance, and it doesn't make positive reading for the SNP. Satisfaction with services provided by Glasgow City Council has fallen from 67% in 2019 to a record low of 48%. There has been a general downwards trajectory since the SNP took control of the city chambers. Asked about specific services, the largest decrease in satisfaction was with refuse collection by 21 percentage points followed by street cleaning by 10 percentage points and recycling collection by 8 percentage points. This is a staggering verdict of the failings of this current administration and its leadership. The extensive survey was carried out before Susan Aiken's disastrous SDV interview, so I can only imagine what the figures are now. It's time for the SNP to face reality about the impact of their decisions. The state of our streets has become a national scandal, attracting negative attention in the UK-wide media, putting off people from visiting our city and harming our economy. But what matters most is the poor service that residents are receiving. And that is entirely due to council cutbacks, not the dedication of our hard-working refuse teams. It's not just bin collections that are causing anger in the city either. Satisfaction levels are down for every single universal service. Fortunately, there are still high levels of satisfaction with some individual services, such as museums and galleries, sports and leisure centres and libraries. That is testament to all the staff who have kept these facilities going during such a difficult period. And it makes it even more galling that the SNP is prepared to cut so many of these vital services. It takes some nerve for the First Minister, a Glasgow MSP, let's not forget, to boast in her programme for government about the importance of libraries. Libraries don't just provide access to books, vital though that is, they also host a range of services that support well-being, she told Holyrood. I hope she has delivered the same message to Susan Aiken. And let's hope that some of the extra funding the government announced for libraries makes its way to Glasgow. But if it does, it won't be because Aiken demanded it of her party colleague. It's painfully obvious that she isn't prepared to stand up for the people of this city and is willing to turn a blind eye to the state of our communities. Enough is enough. Aiken claims the city only needs a spruce up. The reality is that the city chambers need spruced up with an administration that is prepared to put Glasgow first. Our city deserves better, and the people of Glasgow are making that clear.
This article was by Malcolm Cunning. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 15th of September 2021, from the news section, Dangerous Algae Found in Glasgow West End Parks, by Maxine MacArthur, Senior Reporter. Dog walkers have been warned of a dangerous form of algae growing in West End ponds. The potentially deadly blue-green algae is believed to have been seen in the popular Victoria Park Pond and Bingham's Pond on Great Western Road, prompting the colour of the water to shift to a green tinge. Signs have appeared to ensure those using the park are aware of the dangers and have been urged to keep pets and children away from the area. Jill Ferguson, who frequents the popular West End walking spots, said she was alarmed when she spotted the green plants growing on the pond. She said, It's been going on for a long time, but it's getting worse over time. There are a lot of... I go there a lot for walks and to take photos. You can tell how bad the quality of water is when the ducks have left and the swans are sitting outside the pond. They aren't in it. She added, It's really worrying, even for people walking their dog, because if they dive in or drink it, and people don't notice the signs, a dog's life could be at risk. An investigation is underway to confirm the type of algae growing on the pond. However, it's understood the Christmas Eve cyber attack on the Scottish Environmental Protection Agency, SEPA, has caused indefinite lab delays, which has halted any attempt to test the plants. The attack was described as serious and complex, and caused a significant impact at the contact centre, internal systems, processes and communications. In a statement issued at the time, the group said, Following the attack, we immediately enacted our business continuity arrangements and took immediate action to limit the impact of the cyber attack, notifying relevant authorities, including the Scottish Government, Police Scotland, the National Cyber Security Centre and the Information Commissioner's Office with whom we continue to work. While Police Scotland has indicated the likely involvement of international and serious organised crime, SEPA has been clear that it will not engage with criminals intent on disrupting public services and extorting public funds. The matter is subject to a live criminal investigation. While lab results are pending, those using the area have been advised to heed safety advice by steering clear of the pond area. A Glasgow City Council spokesperson said, We share the concerns about the possible presence of blue and algae. Unfortunately, due to matters out with our control, we are unable to have the plants in the pond tested by SEPA to determine whether or not they are indeed blue-green algae. As soon as these plants can be tested by SEPA and it be- can be confirmed their blue-green algal blooms, we look closely at what measures might be effective and appropriate. In the meantime, as a precaution, we advise all visitors in the park to keep out of the pond and to ensure any pets do not come into contact with the water or blooms. Signposts have been put up around the pond to remind park visitors that they shouldn't go into the water for their own well-being. And that report was by Maxine MacArthur. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 15th of September 2021, from the news section, Florence Brook Cops increasingly concerned for missing Glasgow women. Report by Jack Haw.
a woman has gone missing from, from the northeast of Glasgow. Florence Brook was last seen in Bermuda's Quarrywood Road at around 2pm yesterday. Police say they are growing increasingly concerned for the 24-year-old's well-being and are keen to trace her as soon as possible. She's understood to have travelled to a number of cities in England in the past. Florence is described as being 5 foot 2 inches tall, with black hair and wears glasses. She was last known to be wearing a long, a white long sleeve top with blue horizontal stripes and a watch with a peach coloured strap, although she may now be wearing a jacket. Sergeant David Leslie of Glasgow Easter House Police Station said, We are becoming increasingly concerned for Florence's welfare and are keen to trace her as soon as possible. We would appeal to anyone with information on her whereabouts or anyone who has been seen matching her, her description to get in touch. Anyone with information is asked to contact 101, quoting an incident 1700 of 14th of September. And that report was by Jack Hall. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 15th of September 2021, from the news section, Needle found at Glasgow Southside high-rise sparks fury. Report by Maxie MacArthur. A needle has been discovered at a Southside high-rise building just days after residents spoke of their security fears as addicts were caught doing drugs in the stairwell. Terrified residents said hopes that the situation would be resolved were dashed over the weekend when the object was discovered close to Hillington Block's side door. The item was not touched and no one was injured before it was swiftly removed. A frightened neighbour said, After last week, we all really thought this would be sorted but it's not been the case at all. We know there's not much that can be done in a couple of days, but to find more stuff so soon after the last bout is just disheartening. We're just becoming really uncomfortable living here. As previously reported, residents of Tinwall Path have pleaded with the building owners, Glasgow Housing Association, GHA, to tackle ongoing security issues at the site. Drug paraphernalia, including spoons and residue, was discovered in the stairwell, which those living in the block described as the latest in a string of incidents at the flats. Residents are made up, made up of a mix of homeowners and GHA tenants. A spokesperson for GHA says it is working with police to ensure residents feel safe and it's also working with tenants to ease their concerns. They said, We work very closely with the police in our communities through our community improvement partnership to reduce antisocial behaviour and crime. The police are now investigating this incident. We've been in touch with every resident of the block to offer them home safety advice, reassure them of what we're doing to clamp down on drug use in the area and remind them to report any incidents to the police. We've also handed out personal safety alarms to give people peace of mind and our concierge are trying to conduct are continuing to carry out daily and nightly checks on the block. We will always take the strongest possible action against people who are guilty of antisocial behaviour, including eviction. Anyone who has any concerns should get in touch and would continue to do all we can to help. And that report was by Maxie MacArthur. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 15th of September 2021, from the news section...
F expletive deleted the police. Glasgow man asked to leave Asda went on to abuse staff and cops. Report by Lauren Brownlee. A man who was kicked out of Asda replied, F expletive deleted the police when cautioned and charged for following his behaviour. Anthony McFadgen was causing a disturbance at the supermarket in Clydesview Shopping Centre, Blantyre, when he was asked to leave the premises. The 34-year-old became aggressive towards staff during the incident at midnight on March 30th, 2019. He appeared at Glasgow Sheriff Court from, from custody to be sentenced. Prosecutor Ali Roy said, The panic alarm was set off and the police attended. He began to be aggressive towards officers, telling them to F expletive deleted off and calling them F expletive deleted, A expletive deleted. When police attempted to take hold of him, he attempted to bite an officer. Whilst on route to the police station, he said, Wait till these are F expletive deleted off. You'll be, dis- you'll be sorry. Due to his aggressive conduct, he was placed within a cell and held in custody. When cautioned and charged, he replied, F, expletive deleted the police. McFadden's lawyer explained that her client was in custody for a separate matter and that his earliest release date would be October the 18th. She added, He is a man not without difficulties and mental health issues. He is moving to Trun when he's released and hoping it's a new and fresh start for him. He's someone I think would be crying out for supervision. Sheriff Jonathan Guy ordered McFadden of Crawford to serve one month in the prison, which will run after his current service sentence. He said, I'm not persuaded that there's a, an alternative to custody. And that report was by Lauren Brownlee. And that was this week's Glasgow Times News podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes with the publisher's kind permission. Thanks for listening.